Oh, hello. Welcome in to the Meltdown. Happy to have you here. I am Tim. John Lunsford is to my left. We can't get this thing started without a theme song, which is why we've turned to the best in the business, Rockstar himself. Let's make it happen right here live on our very first episode. Two big boys in a tiny studio Teaching you and me about everything they know That causes a meltdown It's the meltdown Time for the meltdown You know it's going to be the meltdown Let's start the show Was fantastic. All right. Hey guys, there's a lot of yeah. virtual clapping as well right now. You just can't hear it, but right, I promise guys, that there's a lot of support. All right, bye. We're actually we're gonna need you to stick bye. around and uh, hang out as producer for us today. Bye, everybody. Yeah, appreciate it. Clap for Rockstar's butt. All right, yes, Rocky. We appreciate that very much. This is the meltdown as we are presented by my bookie, broadcasting live from the Culver's studio on YouTube, Facebook. X, which John still refuses to call X. He calls it Twitter. We're also on Twitch. You can comment in our uh, live chat in any of those different mediums, and we will be seeing them here in the studio. Uh, I'm Tim. That's John. That has been established. First episodes are always quite strange because you haven't really developed an identity for a show, but we're hoping that this one is good for you. And it's good for us. We want to get to know you. You get to know us. Any questions you have, throw them in there. We'll try to get around to those. A lot of thanks. The first goes out to our title sponsor, John. That is MyBookie. That's right. Head to MyBookie.ag. Look, I play on MyBookie all the time just because it's basketball season, just because it's hockey season. I know around here everybody's used to football season, but I've been playing a lot of hockey on there. Go to MyBookie.ag and sign up there. Use code NEXTROUND. Get a first deposit bonus there on MyBookie. Look, they have great casino as well, a live casino. I'm on there playing blackjack all the time, so make sure to use code NEXTROUND when you sign up to get that first deposit bonus. Bet and play anything, anytime, anywhere only with our friends at MyBookie. We also appreciate, as mentioned, our studio sponsor, Culver's. Looking forward to a butter burger when I get out of here later today. Culver's, always fresh food there, and uh, really um, proud to have them on board with us. I have been to Culver's way too much in recent months. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about who else uh, we need to thank before we get this thing rolling. Uh, that goes to uh, our boss, Reed Taylor. Uh, he believes in this show. And we're hoping to uh, make a bigger believer out of him as we continue on. Hopefully have him in studio sometime very soon. Kelsey Dollar has been working hard behind the scenes for us as well, uh, making sure everything's lined up and ready to go here for episode one. Literally uh, hanging things in the studio for us and making things happen with her sweat equity. Ryan Brown, Lance Taylor, Jim Dunaway, and Rockstar without them making the move with the next round, we would not be here in this format with this group, and we appreciate them and their bravery going into the digital frontier. Uh, you were a part of that initial uh, resistance group, John, that went out and made <laughs> I guess a splash. We can say that now, yeah. So I guess I thank you as well. Uh, yeah, it was fun. Um, it was nerve wracking when we first did it. Uh, I'm sure Rocky has the same opinion of that. That uh, we didn't really know what was going to happen. We came here. We're in the same uh, building, and you know, it was fun. It was nerve-wracking, but, um, you know, now that it's worked, I mean, it's, you know, awesome to have that feeling of, hey, you know what? We did it. It's actually worked. And kind of having the same feeling now that we've actually built this room out. Uh, this room looked infinitely different at first, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's been fun all along the way. And guess what? We're only getting started. We're almost three years in. We're only getting started. I'm sure there will be some before and after shots that are – shown to the public at some point, but a lot of work, no doubt, from the rest of the Disrupt staff as well, EG, Tyler, Taylor, Scott, they've had a hand in everything that's gone into our studio here. Thank you to our family and our friends that have uh, had our back. Um, I know that we did a show on Jocks 94.5 called Jocks Primetime at one point. And that show dissolved for a certain reason that we may get into here on the Meltdown at some point. But here's what I will say. From the ashes of that show 
comes this experiment. And we're very excited about this. We feel at home here and we're very pumped up about this. In the meantime, though, we've always kept contact. I've been in your basement every Monday night for a set amount of time. We'll talk about why as we continue to introduce ourselves here, but we've kept in contact for sure. And we've been able to make a lot of contacts between those times and uh, look forward to uh, meeting up with a lot of those people that we call friends here in the studio. We want to thank all the fans of that show and all the other ventures that we've had. And we want to make sure that uh, any new fans coming in feel right at home. So let's talk a little bit, John, about what the meltdown is, because the thing I believe that we are hoping to be at the end of the day is a little bit of, of escapism for everybody. Life is tough. The world is tough. Uh, everything is a little bit more difficult, it feels like, these days than maybe in yesteryear. I like going back and you know, having some of that nostalgic feeling of what things were like growing up and all those things and all those different properties that we fell in love with and all of those things that we use to escape ourselves. We hope to be a part of that every single weekday from 2 until 3 right here in our Meltdown studios, John. Yeah, you know, you see all the stuff around us, um, all these trinkets and posters and and everything, kind of giving a little bit of our personality and things that we love to escape the world with, um, whether it be movies, whether it be sports. Um, I mentioned hockey. We're both in the middle of watching the Preds and Stars fight for playoff spots right now. Go Stars. Um, betting on that and mybookie.ag. And, you know, the, this is, you know, our chance to not only escape from the world but help everybody else escape from the world, like you said, because uh, every time we go and um, – you know, watch a movie. We're there watching it with you guys. We know you, you guys go and watch all those, too. We're playing video games. Yeah. I spent all weekend playing video games. It was one of those relaxing, okay, we've done all this work. I'm going to go and play video games all weekend. Um, you know, we, we know you guys do that, too. So, um, you know, all the pop culture, all the entertainment, all the tech, everything in the world right now, this is a place to um, you know, kind of escape from the craziness, have a discussion about that, jump in our live chat, tweet at us. Uh, get us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, everywhere at Meltdown247 and Meltdown247.com as well. Um, you know, just tons of content being pumped out on all those different channels and escape the world, have some fun. There's a lot of uh, brands that like to call themselves lifestyle brands, but we hope to truly live it. And that is our goal here at the Meltdown. So the things that we're watching, the things that we're loving, we're going to share with you. We want to hear from you of what you're watching at home uh, or what you're headed out to the theater to see. Uh, It seems like every conversation starter at any party that I go to now is what are you streaming? What is that thing that you're watching? What is the must-see thing that you binged that maybe your buddy's on episode two of and you're trying to get them to a point where they can talk about it? We hope to be a place where people can show up and talk about the things in which they love. Uh, Rocky, I know you are uh, a part of this little foray as a producer trio, and we're happy to have you in studio today. There's a lot of things that you love, too. I love stuff. Yeah. yeah. Go, go. Give me a quiz then. What, ask me what I need to love. I hear you love music. Is that accurate? <clears throat> yes, I do. I do love music. I love entertainment. I used to watch a lot of movies mm-hmm. like you guys did, and I had what they call, doctors are calling a child. Yep. And um, everything has kind of reverted to back to cartoons and uh, a lot of Pixar stuff, so me used to, I used to go every Friday after the show when we were six to ten or ten to two. I would leave and do the Friday premiere of whatever new movie came out at two o'clock. It was awesome, and I have not done that in several years. So, uh, have not seen a lot of movies, uh, but I'm going to try to keep up as best yeah. as I can. Uh, this will give me an excuse. I can tell my wife that I have, to, I have to watch this for work. Right. I I feel like this took a little bit of a sad turn, to be honest. Um, the the conversation. No, it didn't take a sad turn at all. It took. Like it that. feels like it. No, you know, uh, you're, it, you're it, asking for help. Is what I'm hearing. No, I mean. Sorry. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not asking for. Well, we're here to help you, Rockstar. <laughs> yeah. well, thank you, because guys. I'm, I'm here to help you guys. So we're all helping each other. We're going to get you back in the swing of things. We're going to be watching a lot of things, but um, yeah, Rockstar is uh, caught in those early years where you are watching a lot of animation that isn't Family Guy, which is something you love, John. How was Cars today? Cars was good today. We we really into Cars on the Road. Cars on the Road was the series that came out on uh, Disney Plus, where it's nine episodes and each one is about ten to eleven minutes. So you have a ten minute thing, and then it'll go to the credits to the theme song, and Cord will look at us, go more, again, again. We watched all nine every day, and then we'll watch probably bits and pieces of Cars one and three. He's not a big fan of Cars two. He'll tolerate. Nobody it. is. He'll tolerate it, uh, but uh, one and two, and then. Cars on the Road is 
big, and then uh, we got Blaze and the Monster Machine, which is a Paramount Plus show. Uh, I'll explain that to you guys later. You're going to love uh, <laughs> what Blaze is all about. Um, once again, every time it goes to, to Rockstar, I feel like it gets a little bit sadder in here, but <laughs> we're going to break you out of your shell. We're going to bring you back to uh, all the things that you enjoy. And I know that there's a lot of those things. So we'll find them along the way, buddy. You're good. You're in good hands. Thank you so much. It was a lot different back when I was an intern. We were two single guys, you know, hitting the town, but not and playing video games and going to movies every week. And now, you know, life. Yep, it happens. Um, But yeah, we're big fans of stuff. And we plan to share a lot of that stuff with you. Obviously, uh, we built our career in radio. Most people know us from that medium. Um, but this is a, a real opportunity, I feel like, to break through a ceiling that maybe was a, a little low for me in radio and a little low for you, John. We're big guys. We need to break free, and that's what we're hoping to do here. And I think the TNR guys have really paved the way to show that it can be done in a meaningful way that makes you even more connective with the people that you're supposed to be showing up and working on behalf of every single day, which is the audience. Yeah, you know, I, the look, radio is a medium that you could connect with better than Newspaper, where it's next day, you read somebody's article, you can't really communicate with them. TV, you can't do live communication with the 5 o'clock news, let's say. Radio, you could communicate via phone calls. You could do Twitter. But, like, now being online, it's taking it to a whole another level because when you're online, I mean, we have a chat right now going between YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, slash X, and Twitch all in one. Plus, you can still tweet. Plus, we don't have a phone set up in here because people don't really use the phone much anymore. But, you know, uh on the next round, we still have a phone line. So, like, there's all the ways you could do it in radio, plus yeah. a bunch more. And it, it's fun online. Like, something we're going to start doing is trying to play games more, um, not only between ourselves, but, like, hey, let's get some, you know, people involved that uh, watch the show. Um, I keep wanting to call people listeners because we've been in radio so long. But, you know, it, it's just there's just so many different ways to interact. We've been coming up with ideas for the next round on how to interact with people. And so, uh, taking all that and moving it over here, focusing more on the entertainment side of things to interact as opposed to sports. But, um, yeah, you know, it, any way we can find to connect with the audience, we're all about it and uh, hoping to ramp that up here on the Meltdown. Yeah, I'm uh, enjoying the chat feature right now as we speak. we got Chase who says, you'll miss all this one day, Rockstar. Uh, his youngest is kind of aging out of Bluey now, but when you hit that Bluey era, you're in the golden years. I'm sure you've heard a lot about Bluey. Is that something that um, we watch Bluey a little bit? Now, 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 here's the thing: I don't complain. Uh, Cars is fantastic because it's not; it's got adult humor in it too. It's like Pixar goes for adults as well. It's not just because I I try to go back. We have Paramount Plus, and I was like, I used to love Ninja Turtles cartoon as a kid, and so I try to get my my son to watch that. And oh my God, is it bad? I mean, just the writing, the animation is just awful. And I was like, at least now they're fine-tuned. Like, there's adult themes and everything, so I can understand. So I'm not suffering that bad. As long as it gets him to enjoy himself, I'm all about it. I don't have to have yeah. I don't have to have the game on or whatever. I'm fine if he's in there centered just, I mean, jaw-dropped watching Lightning McQueen go off with Doc Hudson. Got to love Doc Hudson. He's yep. a legend. Okay, we're going to have uh, Rockstar's Cars Corner uh, as a sponsorable <laughs> – Avenue, if anyone is interested in that, where you just you basically review the Cars movies every single time you're on with us here on the Meltdown. I could quote the entire. Please don't. Yeah, um, I am curious what the Bluey age though is because we turn Bluey on for my dog all the time because yeah. the colors are good for your dog because I don't have any kids, so we let our dog watch it. But I'll come in and end up watching ten episodes when we get back from wherever. We just kind of put it on this background noise, really, and I'll end up watching ten episodes of it. So I'm curious what the Bluey age is and is 37 the Bluey age because I'll sit down and watch it all the time. I tell you, my wife loves Bluey. Uh, my daughter loves Bluey. They love watching Bluey together. I'm not a Bluey fan. I can't get into it. Well, if you watch it, uh, the dad works his ass off. Like he is always entertaining those kids and working. And mom, I don't know. Mom works, but I don't know where she goes. Like everything is revolved around dad being like a punching bag. They they beat the hell out of that dad, that poor son of a. Okay. Well, I see that um, you're very affected emotionally by these cartoons that are running nonstop in your home. Uh, One thing that we hope to provide here on this show is a lot of transparency. I think we've provided that actually a lot already in our first 15 minutes. Uh, But John, being very transparent is uh, one thing you've been about Way to Wellness, a program you've been on for about a month now. Is that accurate? 
Uh, yeah, just over a month. And look, uh, Wade Wells has been incredible. I, I really jumped into it. Jim Dunaway from the next round. He's done it for a long time. And my dad has started doing it. My dad, I think he's been doing it for about a year now. Um, but he already knew Leslie from uh, – he had done a weight loss program back in the day. He knew Leslie. And then she's helped create this program at Wade Wellness. And I said it's incredible. Every time I go into the office, super friendly, super nice staff. Um, you know, they really – Help me on that path because it's not easy. Look, I, I've been an offensive lineman. You can tell I'm an offensive lineman. Um, I've been down that path of gaining and losing weight a bunch, and it, it affects you growing up. But, you know, they've kind of said, okay, here's where you are in life. Let's create a plan for you. And that's literally the website, aplanforme.com, uh, with our friends at Way to Wellness there. And every time I go in, they, you know, put me on the right track. They keep me on the right track. Um, you know, they've taught me how to – approach life differently than just doing whatever I wanted to. Um, and they've, you know, set realistic goals for me and they've let me hit them the right way. So, um, you know, make sure to go to a plan check out our friends at way to wellness. Like I said, Leslie, her entire staff, they are incredible there. And I followed in the footsteps of many people, uh, before me in my life who have done an incredible job with them. And I'm on that path now, like you said, just over a month, I've already lost over 30 pounds. And so I'm really looking forward to uh, keeping that journey going. All right. Good stuff there. There we will keep you updated as I am choking right now. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, on John's weight loss journey there with way to wellness. All right. Speaking of choking, that is what the 2024 movie slate has been thus far. It's been one misfire after the other. I'd like to talk yeah. about our agony. Um, it's a very exciting week. We'll tell you why here in a little bit when it comes to the Cineplex, but so far in 2024, um, there've been a lot of duds. I want to start with the dud of all duds, the movie that when I saw the <laughs> marketing campaign, I told you, I said, John, this will be the worst movie of the year. You go, I don't know if it's going to be that bad. And pretty soon we'll have documentation of these conversations. So I'm looking <laughs> forward to that. But you're like, I'm not sure it's going to be the worst movie of the year. Well, you went to go see it and you said it's up there is maybe one of the worst movies of all time. I think everyone knows we're talking about Madam Webb. Yeah, it is rough. Um, Look, we, we went on the next round today to kind of preview our show. One of the first things somebody asked was, hey, talk about Sydney Sweeney. And look, Euphoria is incredible. I loved Euphoria. I'm pretty sure you like Euphoria yeah. as well. Um, it, it's an incredible show. Now, Zendaya definitely leads that over uh, Sydney Sweeney, but she has become a star off of that show. So, hey, let's put her in a Marvel movie. It's, not, it's through Sony. It's not the MCU. And but, she's coming off of that Anyone But You movie, yeah. which... Uh, really was a crowd pleaser. Yeah. However you want to put it, it made a bunch of money off of its budget and she, her star was rising even more off of that film. I don't think this movie hurts her though. I don't Madam think it Webb. hurts her, but I do think after seeing Euphoria, after seeing Anyone But You and now this, I think she very much has a type to play um, of, and I'm not saying exactly like Euphoria is, but like superhero really isn't it. However, She's not a superhero in this movie. That's what's the, the craziest thing about this movie is they tease those three spider women as like, oh, they're going to be spider women. Spoiler alert. I'm going to go ahead and say it. They're not spider women in the movie. The entire movie is false marketing. If you're expecting to see something like that, um, Dakota Johnson doesn't want to be there the entire time. Really Sydney Sweeney and the rest of the, the, the team doesn't want to be there either. Um, the villain is awful in it. They have to dub over all his lines because he can't speak English properly when he's doing it. Everything about it is incredibly bad. The time warping around is terrible. Everything about it's bad. It's the worst movie of the year. Nothing will pass it. I'm confident in that. Even though of the 60, 70 movies I see per year, I'm 99.99 repeating percent sure this will be the worst one. 0 0.5 stars out of 5, only because I can't give it a 0 on Letterboxd. So we are here to recommend things that are worth your time. Madam Webb does not meet that threshold for the meltdown. No. I chose not to see it. Um, I, there's just so many things, so many things to catch up on, so many things on Netflix right now that are really good that I didn't want to waste any time with Madam Webb. It looks like a lot of other people are not wasting their time with it as it dropped 60.9% weekend to weekend in week two this past uh, weekend coming in the fourth spot, dropping two spots. Hey, uh, the best part is my wife has been going through, been like, hey, I bet, you know, the Bob Marley movie makes more money than it. Sure enough, it did. Hey, yeah. I bet she's been going each week. Hey, I bet whatever is going to make more than that. So this week it's like, hey, I bet Dune's going to make more money than that. It's like, hmm, yeah, I wonder if Dune's going to make more money than that. 
literally anything. They could just cut the first yeah. 20 minutes of the show, put it in theaters. It would probably make more money than Madam Web, and I hope it would be better than that. Let's do a quick recap of some other films that have come out this year. Argyle, that was another absolute stinker. Yep. I was looking forward to that movie. Thought the marketing campaign was good. Matthew Vaughn behind it. It was going to be a Henry Cavill vehicle to bring him back after what was, no matter how you feel about it, a, a failed attempt in the DCEU to be culturally relevant in a way that had sustainable staying power. Um, that thing's been scrapped completely. Um, I know you weren't a big fan of Aquaman 2. Um, is no. Argyle better or worse than Aquaman 2 if you were to talk about sort of the last entry there of the DCEU? Worse only because... The action is better in Aquaman. The CGI is not as good. It's yeah. bad in both of them. Um, but I'd probably say it's worse than Aquaman too. I'd rather watch most DCEU movies in that. And Henry Cavill, don't think it's his fault necessarily. The whole thing failed. I thought he was okay as Superman, um, even though I didn't think Beta Steel, Batman, the Superman, any of those were good. But they were all better than Argyle. Look, I like a lot of people in that. I actually watched Vice last night. Just randomly came across it on Netflix. Sam Rockwell, like after that movie, my wife walked out and was like, Sam Rockwell's career is dead. That movie was awful. I can't believe how bad it was. Bryce Dallas Howard, I think she's incredible behind the camera now, following in her dad's footsteps. Wasn't it on camera? It's got so many people in it. Samuel L. Jackson, Brian Cranston, tons of people, and it just falls absolutely flat. On paper, this is a Lakers team that should have won championships and did not. And it was yeah. a big disappointment. $200 million budget as mentioned and just not going to make that money back. We'll see how much further Apple goes in putting just piles of money in the center of the table and setting it on fire. Cause that's what Argyle ended up being. Mean you win Girls, one best picture and then you start doing that. Yeah. Mean Girls 2. Um, I know that not Mean Girls 2. It's I'm a sorry. remake of the play, which is sorry. a remake of the movie. Sorry. And this was a musical. I didn't see it. Nobody thought of, uh, the average person didn't think it was going to be a musical. No. I actually had just seen it. It came to Birmingham a while back. My wife and I went to go see it. Yeah. Not a fan of the musical. They just take it and put it on camera and change certain aspects of it. I wish they hadn't. However, it's currently my number one movie of the year because I've only seen five so far that are 2024 movies because you're kind of in that catch-up phase for the Oscars of 2023. I give it a two out of five. It's my number one movie of the year. That's pretty sad. Yeah, I um, I just haven't been big on 2024 overall. The best movie I've seen this year in 2024 has been a 2023 movie called The Promised Land which is a, a Danish film starring Mads Mikkelsen, where it, it feels almost like Mel Gibson's Patriot a little bit, but he's a farmer that just basically wants to be left alone and gets in a land dispute, and it's really sinister, um, a lot of fun, and highly rewarding as a theatrical experience. It is in subtitles, but it's still the best film I've seen this year. I know a lot of people, they hear something's in subtitles, and immediately they're like, I'm out. Well, best film I've seen this year, even though it's a 2023 movie who's, that's a nominated for Best Picture, is Anatomy of a Fall. Yeah. It's about half subtitles because the main uh, girl in it, she's the, the main girl in The Zone of Interest, too. She's German, but she speaks English because it's in France, so she doesn't speak French as much. Huh. But then, I know it's kind of complicated, but it's kind of a courtroom thriller, so like every, the lawyers and the judges and all speak French, but she speaks English a lot of the time. But it's a really solid movie. It's one of my top ten of the year, and we'll probably win an Oscar or two. Uh, probably win, uh, best original screenplay, but it's the best movie I've seen so far this year. Let's talk about what is being hyped up as the best movie to come out, not only this year, but maybe the best science fiction movie to come out for the past decade or so. It's being hyped up. The hype train is rolling through the station right now, and that is Dune Part 2. We've got our tickets to see it Thursday night, which we will be doing uh, and then reviewing for everybody on Friday. So look out for that video. But Dune Part 2, I know, John, it is your most anticipated movie of the entire year. It is. I love Dune 1. Denny Villeneuve, who directed it, has done an incredible job, has one of the best filmographies, small compared to a lot of people, but one of the best filmographies out there for a director, kind of like Nolan, not super long, but a pretty good uh, filmography as well. And those two are by far the best directors working right now. Um, you know, I love Blade Runner 2049. Arrival was an incredible movie, my favorite movie of that year. Even though you watch movies like La La Land from that year, uh, Moonlight won Best Picture, Arrival was the best film overall, in my opinion. Just not much rewatchability after, you know, the twist. But, um, I mean, he has done an incredible job, and this, the cast is incredible. Um, I'm really looking forward to Austin Butler seeing what he's like in this movie. He plays Obviously, the baddie in this one. He does. Plays the role that Sting played in the uh, the original Dune movie back in the 80s. And, you know, it's a 
it's a movie that's just look. Timothy Chalamet has been you know one of the bigger stars the last four or five years, uh, really since Call Me by Your Name. I guess that was seven years ago now. And then uh, Batista, who's one of my favorite actors out there right now, I think is an incredible actor, um, doing better than most wrestlers that make the transition to the big screen. Um, Austin Butler, like I mentioned, Zendaya crushing it. Just mentioned how good she's done in Euphoria. I mean, the cast just goes on and on. Josh Brolin's in it. Um, there's a lot of people from the first movie that didn't make it to the second movie, but I'm interested to see if they use them in flashbacks or any kind of uh, you know, potential scene to bring some of the big names back that didn't make it past the, the part one. But, um, yeah, I'm so looking forward to this. I love good, a good sci-fi movie, a good epic sci-fi movie, because I feel like we don't get a lot yeah. of those, like the Star Wars-style movies that are just massive space operas. Um, and so all of that, all of the above, is why I cannot wait for it. There's no doubt in my mind either that this one's going to make more than the first one, for sure. Yeah, I, the, I would agree. the first one came out there – uh, during the pandemic when they did the day and day release schedule that they were going to do with HBO Max. I remember watching it on HBO Max thinking like, this is something I would really like to watch in the theater, but I'm going to just going to go ahead and knock it out here. I think Dune Part 2, from what I've been hearing in the early buzz and reviews, is this is something you must see on the biggest screen possible. See, and that's, I think that's the that's thing. That's going to add to the, the box office total. So we typically go to Prime. With our AMC theaters here, Prime is the best overall experience. It's not the biggest screen we have, but it's the best overall experience from comfortable seats, good sound system, which has been lacking a little bit lately, um, decent screen, a little bigger than normal screens. But this is one I went and saw Aquaman 2 in L.A. when we were out there for the Rose Bowl. Saw it at the Chinese theater, which the main Chinese theater is an IMAX theater. And the first trailer I saw when I walked in was uh, uh, Godzilla Kong New Empire, and I'm like, this is a movie you need to see on the biggest screen possible. That's kind of the whole point of a movie like that. But then Dune 2 came on after that, and it's like, I have to go see this at IMAX. Now, I got my tickets for Prime. That's the showing we're going to. But, like, the next day, got to check this out in IMAX because it is one of those movies you have to watch on the absolute biggest screen possible with the biggest speakers possible. Seeing those sandworms, seeing multiple of them in the trailers, just the trailer alone, I'm in awe watching it, so I cannot wait to see the whole thing. I got to make sure I get the name right here. Denny Villeneuve, right? Yeah. That's the way you say it? Yeah. Denny, I feel like it's said a million different ways. Denny Villeneuve. V- Villeneuve, Denny Villeneuve. Villeneuve. I think it's Villeneuve. I don't know. Anyway. It, Close enough. Villanova. He, he did. No. Close enough. <clears throat> he did a interview <laughs> with Variety and said that he's not worried about the runtime being too long. I don't know how long this movie is. is like three hours, probably a little um, over three hours, 315 maybe. I'm not sure exactly how long it is. I know the first one was... Had a little bit of length. Let's see. 167 minutes. So oh that's gosh, what, 247? Just, you can't get the, I don't know. I can't do math. Um, the He said, quote, the youth love to watch long movies. They are craving meaningful content. Also, think of Oppenheimer. It's a three-hour rated R movie about nuclear physics that is mostly talking, but the public was young. That was the movie of the year by far for my kids. So he makes a strong point there. You tie in the Nolan love. Nolan's been doing some publicity for this movie, it feels like. He's been basically referring to it if Dune is a new hope from Star Wars, that this, Dune 2, is Empire Strikes Back. I think that goes a long way with who is Hollywood's hottest filmmaker right now. And it it, it makes me think, and you're going to completely disagree with this, but it does make me think that had it come out when it was supposed to come out, oh. what would the awards buzz be for it? Would it be, you know, right there neck and neck or potentially even ahead, depending on how everybody, you know, accepts it? of Oppenheimer for Best Picture because the first Dune was nominated for a bunch, didn't really win as far as like Best Picture, stuff like that. But I would be curious how award season would be had Dune 2 come out when it was supposed to instead of being pushed out, uh, pushed back for the strike. Um, I think the 2024 movie slate has been rather painful thus far. One thing that doesn't have to be painful, that is your next dental appointment. Check with my friends at Alabama Dental Associates and alabamadentalassociates.com. They've got a friendly staff, and they definitely provide that specialized care in both general and cosmetic dentistry. Uh, While they're well-trained in the latest techniques and use state-of-the-art equipment, they never forget their number one priority, which is friendly, personalized care for their patients. I had to get a root canal done there. And I promise you, it was probably much less painful than sitting through Madam Webb would be. So check them out and uh, visit them there on Grants Mill Road. As you have Dr. Brian and Dr. Jeff at 205-956-8977. That's 956-8977 there at Alabama Dental Associates. All right, it is now time to unveil something that we absolutely loved collaborating on back in the day that we're bringing back from the dead It's called Luntz's List. Here's the way it works, John. Is there something wrong? 
Oh, on Slunch's list. Oh, okay. You're excited. Just, you're being theatrical. I'm sorry. sorry. I, I took that as there was something very wrong. Um, Luntz's list. Today, I am giving you the chore of coming up with the five franchises in popular culture that you have the greatest affinity for. Now, this should not be a tough test to ace, even though there are many, many choices. You should know yourself better uh, than anybody else. So I feel like you've got to be the one who knows what's going on here. I believe we have a little bit of a, an intro prepared for this, don't we? I'm looking forward to this. More music from Rockstar. Heck yeah. So the way this works, um, we're going to go through each and every entry that John ends up coming up with one by one and talking about where these franchises currently stand. All right. Rockstar, take it away. All right. One, two, Lunch's List. What is this? What is this? What is this? What is this? Oh, huh. But what is this? Lance is this? What is this? Lance is this? Oh, huh. Lance is this to buy. 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 All right. Let's start off with number five, John. Of the popular culture franchises that you have the greatest affinity for is we're going to use our fancy whiteboard here. Oh, yeah. Just the best technology in our Meltdown studios. All right. All right. Number five. We're watching, and it is going to be an M. There's an A. There's an R. Marvel. Marvel. Now, this is Marvel overall. Not just the MCU, or else maybe you would have written MCU. This is overall Marvel, so this can include, I guess, uh, anything that was in the, the Fox merger, which I guess now is technically MCU anyway. But uh, yeah. all the Spider-Man movies, Madam Web, um, all of that can be featured in here. Talk a little bit about why Marvel reaches that top five spot for you and why it's not even higher, because a lot of people would be towards their number one. Maybe it's fallen off in recent years. Well, you know, it was number one until Madam Web came out, you know, and then it dropped to number five. Um, no, look, Marvel wouldn't have been in my top five, honestly, until the MCU. That's really what put it over the top. Um, the money Disney obviously invested in it, buying it, creating the MCU. That has, you know, it's the biggest franchise, strictly money-wise, when it comes to movies. And, of course, it's not even close. And a lot of that has to do with... Um, Infinity War Endgame, the great end they had to it. But overall, I wouldn't say I was super into comic book stuff before the MCU. I mean, I'd go see, like, you know, uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy. I'd go see Fantastic Four when it came out. Um, I'd go see movies like that. But, like, I wasn't super into the overall, like, Lord. Now, now I dive into everything, and I want to look up every spoiler and leak and see oh, what are they potentially thinking and you all that like kind of stuff. You like the connectivity of the yeah. MCU and yeah. what it provided. Yeah. But before that, it really wasn't much. So really the MCU is what put it up into the list as opposed to a couple honorable mentions I had that I ended up having to push out. The connectivity was Marvel's greatest strength at one point, And now it has turned into an Achilles heel for them because if not everything connects, people feel like, Oh, you know, I can wait. I can hold off on watching that. I don't, but if something is, um, you know, one of those tentpole films that is over connective, like, Spider-Man No Way Home, it's hard to regain that magic for whatever the next solo release is. So they're in a, a weird spot right now with the MCU, and I'm curious to see how they're going to dig out of it. I think Deadpool and Wolverine is going to be a nice shot in the arm. For it better a, be. A fran I think it will be for a franchise right now that used to be looked at as indestructible and now needs a solid, solid home run outing. And I think Deadpool and Wolverine will be that based on not only the hype train coming in here, but I believe in Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman and making that thing work. And, you know, I talk about like the Sam Raimi trilogy when Andrew Garfield came in and played Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse right now, or the Spider-Verse trilogy, and we'll see when we get the next one. That's the best thing Marvel has that has ever been had Marvel's name attached to it to me. I'm absolutely in love with Into the Spider-Verse and Across the Spider-Verse. Um, you know, they have a chance to land it, I think, to make the single greatest trilogy of all time. And I know as a cartoon, it's like, oh, you can't include that with all the other great trilogies that have happened out there. I am, and that's, another, once another again, another reason why Marvel kind of crept into number five. We have uh, Jim Dunaway, who's in the chat, saying the MCU is better than LSU. 
So I mean, yeah. I guess now technically, Alabama, yeah, so. that's that's correct. Everybody here tell us you. Um, let's see here. We have Nick who writes, I hate to say I have not watched Guardians three or any of the current TV shows. At one point it becomes a lot to just catch up on. And you miss one thing, you're okay with missing two things, three things, and it spirals out of control to where you're watching none of it. Um, so Marvel really has to get everybody back on the same page. I think Deadpool and Wolverine is that ticket, potentially. We will see. All right. By the way, Benjamin asked what I thought about Echo. I, I got super sick on my birthday, so that's actually what I did was watch all of Echo. Uh, mm, I'm glad Kingpin's back. I'll leave it at that. The rest of the show didn't do much for me. I do like Kingpin, especially in that uh, original Daredevil run on Netflix and the development that they Which have Which also there. needs to land, them bringing that show back, too. No, well, if you're going to have Deadpool in there, I feel like you can get back to uh, having Daredevil be I hope something that has a little bit more kick to it. All right, let's move on to number four. That's our current state of Marvel. But we are looking at the uh, five franchises that John has the most affinity for. I think if Marvel was still crushing it, it probably would have been higher. All right, I'm looking at the board live along with you. I don't know the answers to these. Nothing has prepped me. I'm also blocked, so you guys are getting a better view here. I saw a W at some point. Warcraft. Oh, my gosh. We're going to go to Rockstar for this one. Uh, Rockstar, I know you're huge on Warcraft there in uh, your household. It's a very popular <laughs> franchise for you. Oh, I got it. Sorry, guys. Oh, my God. Sorry. <laughs> Amateur hour over here. You know, I... Uh, what are we... Oh, what's sorry. going on here? I, I got oh, it. there I got he is. It. Okay. I have He's never... played a song a minute ago. ...played Warcraft. I have never seen... Warcraft, mm-hmm. but I hear it's a very um, popular with the kids. Um, I think they've said over 10,000 people play it, something like that, some crazy number like that. Am I even close? Uh, yeah, not even close. Um, look, it's about the craft around war. Um, no, look, this is not movie franchise, just movie franchise. How funny would it be, by the way, if he picked this, knew nothing about it, and we have to sit here and really feel, and then <laughs> the internet hates us for life. Yeah. I, I don't know a lot about Warcraft other than it was a movie that came out of, uh, off of the uh, game. And look, people hated the movie. I like the movie, but I think that's more of a, like, I'm going to defend it because I'm a, a Warcraft defender. Mm-hmm. But look, I've been playing World of Warcraft since it came out back in 2004. I really got into the franchise with Warcraft 3. Um, there's actually a mobile game I play a bunch now. Um, the The... the not to you know throw a pun out there, but the world around the Warcraft franchise um, has exploded. Every BlizzCon is like must watch um, streaming for me to see what the next uh, you know expansion is. I still play the game fairly religiously. I've kind of dropped off of it a little bit lately as we've been uh, working on all this. But you know it, it's it's something that not a lot of people are going to resonate with unless you're really into World of Warcraft specifically, more so than just the games. But uh, do you have the Shield of Katala? <laughs> uh, no, I do have the Sword of a Thousand Truths, though. Which once you again, do not. Once again, that's uh, you know probably a lot of people's introduction to World of Warcraft was that episode of uh, South Park. I was called Spain Park of uh, South Park. Um, that would be a very different type of show or yeah. a different type of adventure. Uh, Make Love Not Warcraft was an incredible episode. I think a lot of people look at that as maybe the best episode of South Park out there um, and introduce a lot of new people to the game. Even though the whole thing is like making fun of nerds that sit in their basement and play World of Warcraft all the time, of which I am one. Um, it we did couldn't a, tell. It did a really good job of uh, you know building the lore around Warcraft and everything Blizzard does comes off of Warcraft. Diablo's good. Starcraft's good. Overwatch is good, but it all comes back to Warcraft. All right. Warcraft there at number four. Thank goodness that's off the board. Let's move on to number three. I wish I could have added more commentary to the Warcraft stuff. It's oh, just, it's great. Great stuff. Yeah. I love Warcraft. <clears throat> yeah. I'm glad that you are a expert on it, Rocky, because I uh, definitely did not contribute much there. All right. Number three is Star, Star Wars. Oh. I assume I, if it's, yeah, it's wars. Okay. See, my view is blocked. Star Trek? It could have been Star Trek. It could have been, but uh, I know you like Star Wars more than Star Trek. I do as well. Yeah, I'm not a Trekkie. Look, Star Wars right now is in a frustrating place because you have a fan base that's pretty divided. I think you have segments of the fan base that go in rooting for Star Wars movies or Star Wars shows to absolutely suck. And I hate that. I want everything I go in to watch, I want it to be good. And I feel like you you have a very divided fan base right now that as long as it's under Disney, they will never, ever give anything a full chance That's again. That's the magic word you said right there, Disney, that That's people the admitted truth. it happened. 
I, there's probably some people out there that were that way about Marvel until the Infinity Saga being ended up being so good. But I think Force Awakens is the best Star Wars movie, and we're not going to get into this whole argument because I've gotten the argument with the chat in, in the chat with next round fans plenty about this. But I love Force Awakens, and then to a lot of people, it fell off a cliff. Um, we both like The Last Jedi overall. Gosh, how are you going to say that on our very first episode that we both like The Last <laughs> Jedi? Because now, once again, we have so many people going, I'm done with you guys. I liked it. I still like it. I just hate what it resulted in. Yeah, and, and that's the fair criticism that I think a lot of people instantly go to, I hate it because of that. But the movie itself is not that bad. Um, and, and people in the chat are saying, look, the new uh, trilogy was awful, but, hey, Andor's pretty good. Hey, Mandalorian's pretty good. I kind of, if you're going to just, you know, this is not about. Rogue One was great, too. Yeah, Rogue One was good. I didn't hate Solo as much as a bunch, a bunch of people did, but it's still near the bottom for me. But, like, I can find enjoy. I'll say it this way. I can find enjoyment in both the original trilogy, the prequel trilogy, the sequel trilogy, and everything in between. I can find enjoyment in that. Plus, Knights of the Old Republic was a game I love playing. I played Star Wars The Old Republic, the, the MMO, trying to get off of World of Warcraft for a little bit. Um, it, there's a lot to Star Wars, obviously, but overall, it's not quite enough to move into number one for me, but it's still a yeah. solid three. Paul writes in and says, uh, Rise of Skywalker, two thumbs down. Rise of Skywalker is my least favorite Star Wars movie ever made. And for a while, it was Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. And Episode 9, what it did was expose that there was no plan to make that trilogy work. And it is the most frustrating and the one that I have not circled back to to watch a second time. I can't do it. I get so angry watching this thing where it started off with so much promise in 2015 with The Force Awakens, as you mentioned, the Last Jedi led to so much discourse that they did a, a big course correct on it, and that's what you get is Episode Nine trying to appease the internet, and it was a mess, and there has not been a theatrically released Star Wars movie since, and who knows what the next one will be. It's supposed to be The Mandalorian, right? Yeah. But that's only because they had that avenue in Disney Plus to be able to explore some of the television series. I still... I look at it as being a result of the success of the TV series, no matter how good the movie is. I wonder what the next standalone movie property is going to be because there's been all kinds of development hell with the Ray movie, and it's going to create even more discourse when it comes out. My biggest complaint is that they will not get away from the Skywalker saga in pretty much anything because Andor, part of the Skywalker saga, the Mandalorian's part of it, like technically all falling within episode one to nine, yeah. kind of in that storyline. And if they would get away from it, I think, and create either something completely original with co totally new characters that, yeah, they still have the Force. They're still Jedis. They're still the overall, right. you know, backstory is the same. There is such a large universe yes. to be able to explore, and yes. it really is about one family. What all those planets you go to. past, you know, when, yeah. when, you, when you warp past them, it's like you're passing a lot of territory there that there's stories all along the way. That's all I can think is we got to go from one side of the galaxy to the other. Well, what happens in between? I understand the frustration of Luke Skywalker didn't get his – huge moment of being able to uh, fight hand-to-hand -hand combat. It was, you know, the hologram experience there in Last Jedi. I understand that. I understand the frustration of them not pairing up the original trio. I'll even throw Chewie in there or R2-D2 in there or C-3PO in there as well. The original gang never had that reunion moment all together in the new trilogy, which created a lot of frustration and episode nine was an absolute stink bomb to the point where even the new cast was like, yeah, we don't want to be a part of this anymore. That goes to show you. But hey, just make a Ray movie now. You know? That's what I don't like about it. Stop. Look, I have no problem with Ray. I have no problem with Finn. I have no problem with the main characters in it. But just move on. Just just do something different. Anything, please. Uh, let's see here. We have a couple more comments coming in, including from Teddy, who says The Last Jedi was fantastic. I really liked it. Remember they announced a Ryan Johnson trilogy before that movie came out. And then... It was like, yeah, still can't wait to do that trilogy. And they're like, yeah, okay. And then we haven't heard anything about it since. I don't think Ryan Johnson will be doing any more Star Wars movies, but I think we will get a couple of more of those Knives Out features on Netflix. I think that's part of the deal. Uh, let's see here. We have Dave, who likes Star Trek over Star Wars. Uh, we have Benjamin, who's upset with how they handled Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan had incredible highs and incredible lows. It was just inconsistent yeah. the entire time. It was completely inconsistent. Some things defied logic with how stupid it was, but then you have that Obi-Wan-Anakin meetup. And I say Anakin because that's what you got. It wasn't just Obi-Wan and Vader. You got to see 
uh, the prequels really made good in that fight and that back and forth. And the dialogue was more intense, in my opinion, than the actual lightsaber fight was. And, and I like Hayden Christensen being back in the fold. Overall, he was in the Obi-Wan show. He was in um, uh, Ahsoka as well. Yeah. I'd like to see more of that. problem is he's aged, aged out of being like the teenage Anakin we saw before he turned into Darth Vader. But I think there's something there they could do with him to keep doing some good, unique content from the Anakin side of things as opposed to Vader. I'm rooting for Star Wars. I want them to get it right, but it has been a mixed bag for the past several years, and I think we can all agree with that no matter which side of the fence you're on. All right, let's go up to the board. Once again, the big board. Luntz's list going to number two of the top five pop culture franchises that John has a deep affinity for, or as I like to call it, to affinity and beyond. That's a uh, Pixar shout-out. It was a Pixar shout-out. I was hoping Rocky, you know, in his world right now would... Ah, the ice cream. Two. Yes, sir. I don't think... Um, those are the uh, the little oranges, right? Halo, Halo top. Yeah. yeah. No, we're going with uh, Halo. This would be Master Chief, his saga, along with everything that accompanies it. Uh, when did you fall in love with Halo, John? So I, found, I fell in love with Halo when... Um, per, right after the first one came out. Um, I was in middle school, and... You know, it was that first title. I really and truly remember going to people's houses, having LAN parties, playing nonstop. Um, it, it's what got me into competitive gaming. Um, spent many years, you know, traveling the world, playing games. Not Halo, but it's what got me into that. Um, you know, I, I we we have a Halo 2 10 uh, case on our uh, shelves up there and Collectors I can remember edition. Yeah, I can remember standing in line for that, you know, the old midnight releases they used to do. Um there's just so much about Halo that was my childhood growing up. Now yes, I can go back to Mario and stuff like that like when I was really little, but you know, when I was kind of coming of age, Halo was that game that was there for me. It was also one of the first games online you could play with people and interact with people online once that became a thing with like Xbox Live and all. And then, um, you know, been dying for a movie. I know one movie turned into District 9, and now we have a TV show on Paramount Plus that I liked okay. Um, the second season is currently out now. I like to wait and kind of binge watch it after the fact so it hasn't finished yet. But, you know, overall, Halo has just done a lot for me, even though the games themselves, it's not like I'm going home and playing Halo every night. I'm playing World of Warcraft or League of Legends or something different than that. But, um, you know, and Ross brings up Gears of War. I thought about throwing Gears of War in there down low because that's another game that kind of got me into competitive. You but love Gears of War. I do love Gears of War, but as a franchise, there's the games, and that's kind of it. That with Halo, there's more. There's always been kind of the allure of a movie out there. Um, they've done some live action stuff before the TV show, and then kind of switched to the Paramount Plus show. Um, you know, the you know, Peter Jackson, Neil Blomkamp talked about doing one. So there's a lot to Halo, even though the games are very much the focal point, kind of like Warcraft Two. But there's just so much more that can be done as well, and it just it led to so much in my childhood. So this is awesome. This is an awesome feeling. This is episode one of the meltdown. Thank you so much for tuning in. But we already have the chat reminiscing about Halo and escaping right now emotionally back to that place of when they first played the game. And it's hard to recapture that moment. And every entry in the Halo series, it tries to reignite that passion maybe you had when you first picked up the controller and played Halo. It's a tough thing to duplicate that feeling because when I played Halo, it was one of those games that absolutely changed the landscape of what was possible in first-person shooters. I felt the same way with GoldenEye on the N64 when I first played it. I was absolutely floored and blown away. Halo was one of those experiences, and we'll be talking about a lot of different games over our lifetime that we had that moment of, wow, I didn't think this feeling was possible in a game. Grand Theft Auto provided that time and time again, and who knows, Grand Theft Auto 6 may end up providing that feeling again because there's a big hype train towards that. Um, I'm really excited that Halo here made the list. I, uh, I, I want to know more about your perspective on where you think the current state of Halo is with Halo Infinite because the goal is to basically have that be the base game and continue to add on to it. So Halo Infinite is the best post-1 through 3 game to me. Um, I really like the multiplayer of it. We've played a lot of that. I honestly haven't really focused on the campaign. Like I used to love, I love the story of one through three and I like the, you know, it ended with the whole, Hey, wait me when you need me. And then you kind of started a new, uh, you know, set of games with halo four after that, getting into the forerunners more, but like halo as a franchise now, I think is kind of shifting into 
the TV show, like the second season, like I said, I'm trying to wait till it gets over so I can binge it all at once. Cause they're like three or four episodes into it right now. But the, the, the first season to just what I've seen so far, the second season, you can tell that budget skyrocketed mm-hmm. and they are putting so much more into it and realizing like, Hey, maybe there's something here. Part of the reason they didn't do a movie with uh, Peter Jackson and Neil Blomkamp is because they looked at it and said, do you realize how much money we're going to have to spend to do this right, to do this actually the right way and get the covenant perfectly right, get the flood perfectly right, get the Spartans right, get every single aspect of space travel and the halos themselves and all that right. It's going to cost too much and it ended up shifting. Well, now you can kind of see, hey, technology has advanced a little bit. We can do more with this franchise. And that's what I'm excited to see is the future of Halo from what Microsoft puts into it because it's a it's a Microsoft unique thing. Um, and then to see what, you know, a, a company like, you know, Paramount can put can put into it and uh, continue to create really good properties there and grow it more than just a video game in this one TV show. Let's now go ahead and unveil the number one thing on Luntz's list. Speaking of listing, remember our friend Jim Wilson with Location Real Estate. Jim is still active with the U.S. military, and we appreciate his dedication to our country and to his clients. Jim is not happy until his clients are fully happy. Each of Jim Wilson's clients has his full attention and devotion to get what they need and want, not only during the home buying or selling experience, but every day after. He's an advocate for the client and not the corporation. Once again, we are proud to be partnered up with our friend Jim Wilson there with Location Real Estate at 205-329-4758. That's 205-329-4758, or you can visit jimwilson.locations.com. All right, number one on Luntz's list as John approaches the big board. We are excited to see what is the number one thing on Luntz's list. I'm trying to think about what it's going to be. I honestly... Here, no. the top of my head, he's doing a good job blocking it. He's an offensive lineman, after all. What is the number one thing on Luntz's list? I know what mine is on Tim's list, which doesn't have the same ring to it. But we'll get to that in a minute. All right. I still can't see it. Let's see. Here we go. Harry Potter. Wow. What a wild card. I was not expecting this. Model Missions, Fast and the Furious is one. I, I think people may have thought it would pop on the list. I'm always bringing it up on the next round. League of Legends was close and Zelda was close. But at the end of the day, Harry Potter, that's the one. I, I, would, have, I, I would have never been able to guess this was actually your number one deep down inside. Um, is it the experience at Universal Theme Park that enhanced it for you to get it to number one or what? Because I didn't know this. It's Has the, it always been this way? Yeah, so, I mean, I love the books, um, read them growing up uh, as they came out. Goblet of Fire is my favorite. I thought, so we just talked about Star Wars. Okay, Star Wars did not, you know, land the plane at the end of the day, really and truly. No, it did not. Harry Potter, I think, crushed the ending. I think had an incredible ending. Now, they're trying to do some more stuff with Cursed, The Cursed Child, the Broadway play, and, and kind of growing there. They're doing this HBO series, which... We'll see. It hasn't come out yet to d- diminish my love for Harry Potter, but I'm honestly not a fan that they're actually doing that. I thought the, the movies, the books, everything were perfect to then redo it again. But what about Enchanted Beasts and all of that? Isn't that part of Fantastic the same? Beasts and Fantastic Beasts. I, I'm not a Harry Potter guy. Yeah. Please put your wands The movies down. are okay. I mean, they're not Harry Potter, but yeah. look, I don't, I don't falter for saying, hey, let's keep that gravy train rolling. Let's, let's keep trying to make as much money as we can. Um, the theme park is incredible. Universal. Um, both of them. So there's you have kind of Diagon Alley in one theme park, and then you have uh, Hogwarts in another part of uh, Isles of Adventure, the other park. But, you know, I think the overall experience of Harry Potter, the fact that it brings everybody in, because here's the thing, Halo is a mature game. So even though it's really not that bad, that may keep, you know, younger kids out. Um, Star Wars is maybe a little too nerdy for some people that I guess Harry Potter wasn't because it's something you can enjoy with your kids. It's a book, good book you can read. There's a good film series. There's just so much to Harry Potter and the full experience that Harry Potter gives you. Um, it, and you could be a part of it too. Like you can say, Hey, I, I think I'd be in this house. Hey, I think I'd be, um, you know, I'd study this at Hogwarts. Hey, I think I'd be do this as my job. There's just so many elements to Harry Potter. It's incredible. And I mean, I just love everything about Harry Potter. You have Josh who writes in Ministry of Magic is going to be added to the new Universal Studios edition. Uh, Universal Studios planning some big things with their park for sure, and this is going to continue to be a focal point. 
Um, but are you excited as a, uh, a card carrying member and an annual pass holder of I hope Universal's it's better. plans? I hope it's better than the, uh, the the Mario area. I've been to the one in LA. I know they're building that in Orlando too. But I honestly was a little underwhelmed with that. So I hope that with this new Epic Universe they're doing in Orlando, I hope they get the Universal monsters right. I hope they get more Harry Potter stuff right. Maybe they fix a few things about the uh, the Mario area too. But uh, yeah, I mean Universal has crushed it with that. That's really the selling point over Disney. To me, if you want to go to Universal over Disney in Orlando, um, is to head to the Harry Potter areas if you are a fan of that. Incredible merchandise to buy, too. That's the other thing they've done a really good job with at Universal. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how Universal can continue to grow Harry Potter as the franchise evolves. It's the same seven books, really and truly. I mean, there's been plenty of other things, like you said, Fantastic Beast, The Cursed Child on Broadway, all that kind of stuff. But really, it's that, you know, seven-book series that – they're continuing to kind of work on and, and re-evolve, but you got to do it the right way or it could hurt the franchise, I think. All right, so there we have it. Number five, Marvel. Number four, Warcraft. Number three, Star Wars. Number two, Halo. Number one, Harry Potter. Sort of a status check of where all of those are as well. We'll have a daily Lunces list to bring you right here on the Meltdown. Very excited about that. John, good job. Uh, Rocky, not a Harry Potter guy, I assume. You know, I actually gave, uh, I read three of the books. I just couldn't get into it. And, like, I, I know I respect. It took uh, you three books to realize it wasn't for no, you. Like, no, because no, I saw, like, I remember, because uh, Nancy had worked, my wife had worked for Books a Million, she said, for corporate Books a Million, she said that there's so many things they had to do with Harry Potter because everything Christmas you do something special with Harry Potter because consumers just eat it up. And she was like, you got to read the books because they're based on age. They're As the kids get more mature, the books become more violent and more, and I was like, I, I can't, I can't do it, because I, I had that uh, Prime reading on Amazon where you could have that all the Harry Potter books for free, and I read three of them, and I was just like, I, I think I'm gonna tap out. I've given it a good shot. I uh, just to let you know, because I didn't watch any of the movies. I thought Hagrid was a monster. I didn't know it was a man. Mm. I thought it was. And he's a giant, so I guess he is a monster. Yeah, the or something. way that I, what but, does that mean? That's that's not very nice to say why about you, why somebody. Upset? I'm sorry. Because I'm a giant. You're my giant. Monstrous giant. <laughs> yeah, but no, I was never gotten to. Deeply respect it, but never got into it. All right. There we have it. Luntz's list. All right. Let's talk a little bit about what we watched over the course of the weekend. Uh, one thing that I was very excited to watch was the WWE Elimination Chamber, which... Did you wake up at 4 a.m. to watch I it? I did not wake up at 4 a.m., <laughs> but I went to bed early Friday night to try to watch it as early Saturday morning as possible without spoilers. That's how dedicated I was. But it was in Perth, Australia, which is why it aired 4 a.m. Central Time. And Kevin Owens had a koala on his shoulder as he entered the arena. And my wife and my daughter both now want a koala. And I'm not sure how to get out of that sort of situation. So I thank mean, you, Kevin Owens, for that. Koala can claw you and you know yeah. take you out pretty quick. Uh, STD rate in the animal kingdom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have a friend, a mutual friend, that's also one of our poker buddies that just got back from a trip to Australia. Yeah. And one thing he said, and I don't know how many of you have been to Australia, he said there are spiders everywhere. He says it's beautiful, you know, it feels safe and clean. The sunsets are amazing. But, oh, by the way, spiders everywhere. And so if I'm you like, want to be Spider-Man, go to Australia. I don't. Was Madam Web? Was there a uh, Australia scene <laughs> yeah, that should have been a Madam Web joke instead. Anyway, Sorry. So um, I'm, I'm not good on spiders. But uh, the Elimination Chamber, it was highly predictable. Everyone who I thought would win ended up winning. But it was also highly entertaining. And your boy Logan Paul, who I know you're a huge fan of, which is your favorite Maverick of all time, mine is Dirk Nowitzki, but your favorite Maverick of all time is Logan Paul. That's what he calls himself. Sure. Um, he He's drawn some heat for sure. He used the brass knuckles on Randy Orton. I have a feeling that there's going to be payback tonight on Monday Night Raw. I yeah. know that's illegal. He's yeah, a bad guy. Do that. Yeah. Um, I, Logan Paul, I'm not crazy about Logan Paul. I don't care about watching Logan Paul's videos or anything. I have respect for Logan Paul and Jake Paul for making the transition they did to WWE and boxing respectively and actually doing as good as they're doing. Neither one of them. Look, Logan Paul is never going to be your your main champion. Jay Paul is never going to win any boxing belts or anything. But you expect them to come in with, ah, that's just a publicity yeah. stunt. And they, it worked for both of them, so I can respect it. There we have it. Uh, the Elimination Chamber, as we are now strictly on the road to WrestleMania and looking forward to that experience. All right, the SAG Awards were also on Saturday. And they were on Netflix, John, which is something I've been clamoring for for years. I and did like you like it better? I liked it better from the standpoint that I could not have to worry about the commercial breaks as much. I could not, didn't have to worry about them fitting it in for time. Didn't have to worry about them 
having a host that was dedicated to coming up there and telling obnoxious jokes. Um, some hosts are really good, but when they're bad on these award shows, they're really bad. Take a look at the Golden Globes from this past year. But Idris Elba sort of like was the MC of the night, and I thought that that yeah. worked perfect. Yeah, I thought it was, it was fine. fine. I mean, here's the thing. They don't have commercial breaks, but they still take commercial breaks. They just do like an interview or something instead. Yeah. Like if it, and it was only a two-hour show or supposed to be a two-hour show, if that's the case, run through it. Like, do it. They can sit still for a couple of hours. You need to go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom. But you don't have to take a break every five minutes for everybody to get up, talk, and then come back and sit down. It's like two hours, just go. Just get it over with. And they still couldn't do that. That's my only complaint. Here's what I loved about it. Oppenheimer was dominant on the night. Oppenheimer was my favorite film of 2023. I'm glad we're still living in a world that respects that film as much as it does. And I saw it five times in the theaters, I believe, which is a, it's a, it's a long haul there. Uh, it's like but, three days in real time. Yeah, it was it was great every single time I enjoyed it. So Oppenheimer continues to be dominant. I have no doubt it will remain dominant heading into the Oscar season, uh, which we are very much in right now. And then we had all the cast reunions on stage. Which cast reunion stood out to you the most there at the SAG Awards on Netflix? Ooh, um, was it the Breaking, Breaking Bad? Bad? Yeah, yeah. I had a feeling. I mean, you know, I never really watched Modern Family. I feel like that was probably the other big one. They did a similar thing at the Emmys this year with all yeah. these cast reunions. They built entire sets for them at the Emmys. It's actually kind of impressive it what they did with the, with the Emmys. Very impressive. Um, there's a lot of older shows they brought back and a lot of shows that hadn't won awards, like the Martin thing. They kept going off like, you know, we're going to win an award. No, you're not. Um, but no, the Breaking Bad cast, um, you know, they all actually looked okay. You know, for that was, I mean, that was a decade ago that show ended so i mean they all you know looked okay um in my household it was the modern family cast reunion that got the most buzz for yeah. sure um yeah i mean it, that was good too my wife was more into that than i was because i didn't really watch modern family but no it was good to see the old cast come back and uh hand out the awards that uh are you shocked that succession only won one award on the night you know it's been so dominant throughout the award season and this is obviously acting awards so mm-hmm. I think that we have a case of a lot of split votes. I think that that hurt the show. Brian Cox, uh, Kieran Culkin, and uh, Matthew McFadden were, I guess, the only three nominated, but that split everything. Pedro Pascal. I'm, I'm glad that he got a little recognition. I love The Last of Us. I thought it was incredible. Um, you know, and then Elizabeth Debicki. I never really watched The Crown, but I've seen her in plenty of other things. Good actress uh, playing Princess Diana there, winning over the succession people. So don't have a problem with who won. Uh, let's see here. We have Maverick who writes in says the holdovers was good saw oppenheimer good need to watch poor things uh killers of the flower moon was great story but missing something well that that covers the entire gambit of movies to talk about here going into the oscar season the holdovers was fantastic in my opinion it was probably my second or third favorite movie of the year uh behind oppenheimer uh poor things i went in with lower expectations feeling like it was kind of a chore to knock it out and be a completionist and walked away absolutely loving it it's definitely the raunchiest movie of the year so just be prepared for that going into poor things but it leads me into the next discussion point here which is the best actress race it's really murky right now it's it's almost a coin flip um between two candidates that have emerged from the pack so i had been leaning emma stone pretty much all of award season um, and the Vegas odds were favoring her slightly over Lily Gladstone, but after last night, because you, you have the producers, directors, and actors awards that kind of help round up a lot of what the Academy is actually made of, and that kind of gives you uh, a look ahead to what's going to happen. So the fact, because I thought, kind of thought uh, there was a chance for Paul Giamatti as well with Best Actor, kind of close between him and Killian mm-hmm. Murphy. Um, but with Killian Murphy winning last night, that definitely puts him in first there. And with Lily Gladstone, I think that definitely puts her in first right now over Emma Stone. Still a chance. I don't think there's a chance for Paul Giamatti anymore, but I think there's still a chance for Emma Stone, but I would definitely, if I was a betting man, uh, which I am at mybookie.ag, um, <laughs> I, I would definitely do Lily Gladstone. Uh, we appreciate our title sponsor very much. There is one more point I'd like to bring up before we say goodbye for this Monday edition of the show, and that is the fact that the bear continues to win everything it's up for. Yep. And but it's it, not a comedy. But it's also way. categorized as a comedy. Yeah. So it's beating up on shows that are specifically comedic. And the bear 
is one of the most anxiety-ridden shows I've ever watched in my life. And I'm trying to figure out at what point I'm going to start laughing uh, like I am with, you know, only murders in the building or something like that, that it's just beating up on every single award show. And how does it classify itself as a comedy and get away with it? It's only funny in like situational aspects, like, you know, something happens in the kitchen, but it's like, it's mean to them. So there, there, there's a part at the end of the, the first season where this guy's like dying to make pastries for, um, uh, Jeremy Allen White's character is like the head chef there and he's dying to make pastries. And every time he tries to make him a pastry to like try, he makes some, you know, smart comment to him or, you know, tells him to F off or whatever it may be. And every time it's like a super tense moment in the show, but you die laughing because it's like that poor guy can't catch a break, but it's not like it's made for laughs. It's made for like, it's just a breath that you can take while watching yeah. the show. That's it. And, and it's so intense. It's, this show is if you ever seen Uncut Gems or uh, what's the other Safety Brothers movie with Robert Pattinson? Good times. Good times. If you've ever seen those two, it's just like that, like in your face, the way it's shot, super intense in every aspect of it. That it's hard to classify Uncut Gems as a comedy, but it's as much a comedy as this movie is. By the way, I believe I said Good Times. Very different show than Good Time. Good Time. I just yes. want to point that out. Dynamite. Yes, I think that's the perfect way to end it. Uh, you know, we need a little dynamite here for the meltdown for sure. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here for episode one. We uh, are planning on bringing you this show daily from two until three central time. Thank you for being very active in the chat. Uh, looking forward to working more of your reaction in during the live show. We'll figure out a better way to do that. I promise you of getting more of that interaction in here. This has been the meltdown presented by MyBookie, broadcasting live from the Culver Studio. We'll see you again tomorrow.